0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: It's time for Rob Gronkowski's favorite podcast. Podcast number 69. Nice. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles with you. We went through the draft last episode. Now it's time to look forward. Now we look at the roster. Greg tells us his thoughts about how things are layered and maybe some guys that could surprise us could be cut, could be traded. Let's start with the quarterback position. As always, Greg, your likely opening day starter.
0: Likely opening day starter would, at this point, it would have to be Cam Newton. I mean, I'm hoping for Mac Jones, but I think um, it's not only where he is and Cam's in his second year and things like that. That is certainly a factor, but I think – I think when you look at Mac Jones and I do think Bill Belichick is very excited, no matter what people think about um, his outward demeanor and staying at 15 and all that stuff,
1: his war room reaction. He didn't get naked yeah. so people think yeah. he wasn't excited. Yeah,
0: exactly. He didn't, he didn't get on the press conference to say, I love Matt Jones. He, <laughs> um, I love Mac Jones. Uh, He's, he, He's going to start every day for the next thirty years, and he's we're going guy. to win eight Super Bowls. Because he didn't he's, say he's, that. He's, all he's of the sudden. greatest
1: quarterback I've ever seen.
0: Um, yeah, and he's better than I don't even know who Tom is. Tom Brady is anymore because Mac Jones is that good. Like just because he didn't say something like that, all of a sudden it's like, oh, he didn't like the pick. He didn't want to make the pick. He was forced into the pick. It was a pretty quote, 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 whatever. It was all that nonsense. Can I just like, jump
1: in for a second? I had an yeah. analogy, and I just wanted, I want to drop the analogy now before we move on. Let's let's hear uh, it. Daniel Jeremiah, he had the whole oh, idea. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, he says, oh, well, I don't think they loved Mac Jones because if they loved him, they would have moved up. And I think they liked him. And I came up with an analogy. I love beer. And it's like if if you have your favorite craft beer at a local brewery, and you can get the four pack of your favorite craft beer for $12.99. Do you walk into that brewery and you say, you know what? Because I really love this craft beer today, even though I can get that four pack for $12.99, I'm going to pay the brewery $29.99 just because I love that beer. That's the analogy. Like if you knew, if you felt confident you could get Mac Jones at $15 then why would you overpay for somebody even if you loved that somebody like, it it makes just like we said last you know podcast it makes zero sense they read the board right i think that point would be better if they didn't get to mac like if they didn't move up and then mac jones gets drafted because washington moves up or something right. then you, then you have a beef yes but that's not what happened so anyway <laughs> let's move yeah. on
0: well, you can almost take it one step further. You could be like, all right, there's that, that, that package of craft beer. And, you know, with Mac Jones being that craft beer, you could say, there's only four of us who really like that kind of craft beer. And I know that there's only four people in my area. Nobody else is coming in to get the craft beer. And two of the guys are on vacation and the other guy, um, is, can't you know, his wife won't let him out of the house. So like, I have a pretty good idea. I'm going to get the craft beer. So right. anyways, um, but so I, I do think Bill Belichick is very excited about Mac Jones, uh, magic Mac Jones. And I think that in my, my original point that I was trying to get to before you and I both went off on a tangent was right. I think, no, it's not just you. It was me too. Um, <laughs> I think that, Bill is he's – he's going to set the foundation. He's building a house. And so he is going to be tougher on Mac Jones than probably he's ever been with any other quarterback. I mean, I think that to send a message to sort of recalibrate the program that it's about a cheap quarterback and about a quarterback who's going to play ball, about a quarterback who's going to do this, who's going to be the hardest worker, who's going to be there all offseason unlike some people <clears> – <throat> um towards the end of his career I think he's I think he's gonna set a really firm foundation and he's gonna make Mac Jones crawl on hands and knees for everything that he gets this season and but that that is with the end game in mind and so I think for that reason and others and even though I did a column the other day that said that that again I found a play from Cam Newton and a play from Mac Jones that were very similar and how they reacted to them in their systems, not apples to apples, but close enough. And I think that Mac Jones is going to be a factor because there's just certain things that he brings that Cam Newton doesn't. I don't think it's possible Cam could bring them this year. I doubt it. But unless he does bring those things this year, then I think Mac Jones, the Patriots are going to have no choice but to – but but to put Mac Jones in, and I think by that point in time, by setting a firm line, by showing the veterans on this team that might be pro, somewhat pro-cam, that this kid has been beaten into the ground. He's been beaten to a pulp. He hasn't been given one single thing. He's just like you guys. He came in and had to earn everything, and yep. he's earned his time. Now he's getting a shot.
1: I agree. Uh, does he start as the third guy on the depth chart? is Stidham still around and is Mac, the third guy to start the season, just going off of what you said to really build the story and make him, you know, deserve it and earn it and, and work his way up.
0: You know, that's, that, that's a really good question. I mean, my inclination is to say he opens as number three, but. I just think Mac Jones is going to beat out Jared Stidham. Yeah. And I I just think he is. I think it's going to be two apparent on the field, uh, in the preseason games, on the practice field. And I think think in my sort of crystal ball, I think we're going to get to the end of the preseason, the 53-man cut down, what have you. And Mac Jones is going to have a lot better preseason stats than Cam Newton. He's going to look better in camp. But I think Cam's going to be the opening day starter. And then we're just uh, waiting for a matter of when, not if.
1: I agree with you. The only tough thing is you know the quarterback play is not always resulting in wins or losses right like you, your record is not necessarily indicative of the quarterback play what'll be very interesting is if this team's playing well because the defense is better they're running the football cams making just enough plays and they get off to like a 5 and 2 start or a 4 and 3 start if they're if they're playing better than 500 football but cams not playing great will they make the move you know, will Belichick say, yeah, you know, we have a winning record, but we could be better at quarterback. And Mac Jones, he proved it. Like, he's better. That's going to be the interesting scenario, Greg. Yep.
0: So I, I, move, I agree with you.
1: Let's move to wide receiver. Uh, your top two wide receivers, I, I would guess Aguilar and Bourne. Am I, am I right or wrong?
0: Yeah, well, so why, So the, the way I sort of do things and I break um, – you know, the, the, the receivers down. And by the way, I just noticed that I forgot um, tackles guards and centers on this list. So, no, um, I, but those won't take very long uh, considering everybody's back. But so I, I view guys sort of how the Patriots view guys in terms of, and I didn't turn them X wide receiver here, but basically I go wide receiver. One is the guy who ends up on uh, winds up on the left. That's the X wide receiver. And then that group, I have Aguilar, I have Nikhil Harry, and I have Isaiah Zuber. Um, I think Aguilar, no doubt, is the opening day starter, unless, um, of course, this discussion all hinges on injuries and things like that, but right. uh, they paid him a lot of money. He's playing, and a lot of times they're only going to play with two wide receivers, and uh, to sort of answer my own questions here, um, is the opening day starter, could surprise. Look, is a guy that I could tell you this there are people in the building that loved the kid last year. I don't know why he didn't get much of a chance, why he was sort of the last guy to get a chance. I don't know if he wasn't doing the right things or maybe not in his playbook or what have you, but I'm telling you, there are people who think a lot of the kid and think he could be something. And he really flashed on the practice field last year. Um, So he's a guy that I think could threaten for, say, the fifth, sixth wide receiver spot on this team if he – if he did what he did last training camp, so I think he's got a chance. And then uh, the the player who could be out of this group, obviously we all know it's Nikhil Harry. Um, yeah. I think I think this. I think it, while he could be traded before training camp and all that, it, it, it's quite possible. Um, I think it's much more likely. And look, you gotta you gotta count for injuries. I mean, look at Juwan Juwan James, who just the Broncos just went through the draft. Um, they thought they had the offensive line all, you know, taken care of. And then the right tackle goes and tears his Achilles tendon. So you never know what's going to happen. And so it's better to at least normally with the Patriots, what they do is they keep their guys. And then you see what happens about midway towards the end of training camp because you never know what's going to happen. What if Aguilar goes down with a, with an ACL? What if, you know, what if Kendrick Bourne, Tears and Achilles. Like, where are you? So I think Nikhil Harry is here. We'll see what he does. I know he Cam Newton has invested a lot of time in Nikhil. Uh will that pay off? Will the light go on and all of a sudden him catch fire? I do I doubt it, but I do think that I still think he's a player in this league. I don't I know do if too. he's a great player, but I think he could be, you know, sort of like a little Anquan Boldish you know, possession receiver, where he's just, you know, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald later in his career, big body, slower guys who just catch the the crap out of the ball. And, uh, you know, I think this is all sort of a new reset with Cam back, Mac Jones there. I think he's got a chance, but I, obviously if it doesn't work out, he's going to be gone at some point.
1: I honestly wouldn't be surprised by anything with Nikhil Harry. That's how I feel about walking into this season. Yeah. Like Last year, again, I think he has a chance to be a player like you do. Uh, is he going to justify being a first-round pick? I don't think we'll see that happen, especially in New England. But is he somebody that can make some plays? Yes, I do think he can make some plays. And I, I think if the quarterback play was a little bit better last year, he would have looked a little bit better. Would he have been a completely different player and awesome and off the charts? No. But he was open a number of times, and the ball wasn't thrown his way. And, you know, the first season I just throw out because of all the circumstances, his injury and and Brady not really believing in him, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I would not be surprised if he contributed to this football team. I would not be surprised if he was traded after camp. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised by anything with Nikhil Harry. Uh, Let's go to the uh, right side. You've got Kendrick Bourne. You've got Trey Nixon in the mix. You have uh, Devin Smith. Your thoughts on that side?
0: Yeah, so with this position, and and even this is somewhat up in the air, because normally in a traditional Patriots, like one tight end system, um, you get a lot of three wide receivers, three wide receiver sets. So you have yeah. the slot also. Now, with two tight ends playing a lot, and we expect them to, I don't expect them, like say the Patriots are down 10 in the fourth quarter, are you going to put two tight ends, two receivers, and one running back on the field to come back? Probably not. Uh, they'll probably just rotate Henry and Johnny Smith and that event. That. So, but let's just go with, you know, if they have, if they do have a traditional slot at some point, this is not the slot. This is the X. Um, this is normally the number three receiver, but we don't know what's happening at slot. Normally, uh, this is you know Julian Edelman would be the slot, and then you'd go to this position. But I think Kendrick Bourne's a guy they need to see on the football field to see what he can do in this offense. And he could be the slot you know, look. He's not the traditional guy. As far as his build, he's a little bit slender and things like that. But what, and you know, does Kenny take a beating? I do think he catches a lot of balls over the middle. I think you do like, if you did put him at the slot that he could use the speed to sort of, you know, catch a little hitch and go and, and go a long ways. Uh, but you know, if he's if he's the boundary guy, he, he's gonna play a lot. They love him. The 49ers loved him. They didn't want to lose him. Uh, maybe this some of this Jimmy stuff is a little bit of payback for um, Kendrick Bourne. But um, you know, Trey Nixon, the seventh round pick, you know, he's gonna have to come in and learn the playbook, number one. Uh, Devin Smith, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about. Um, but he looked okay in 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 his his circumstances. But you know for this category opening day starter no doubt is Kendrick Bourne uh could surprise i look i mean as a 7th round pick i guess you got to say Trey Nixon and we'll see what happens with him and you know obviously Devin Smith is a likely guy out but again it's all going to be proven on the field
1: all right let's look at the slot uh, Jacoby Myers, good old Gunnar Oshevsky, and uh, Christian Wilkinson. Your 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 thoughts about uh, that position? Like you said, listen, we're, we've been spoiled in New England with Welker and Edelman. It's going to be a little bit different this year.
0: Yeah, I'll be interested in to see how uh, Gunnar looks this Gunna. year in training camp because uh, just remembering from last year, I remember seeing him at training camp, and I was like, holy crap, he looks physically like a completely different guy. And I'll be interested to see what he looks like year three um, because I thought he was he was a real player. I actually – probably the biggest surprise for me was that he didn't contribute more uh, in the passing game last yeah. year because I thought he showed really well in, in training camp. And so I, I don't understand – you know, I understand the desperation um, because he doesn't look – the same and Edelman's gone, but I don't know why people are sleeping on Jacoby Myers as the slot on this team. That's, that's where he's been for the most part, since he's been here. Um, he runs a lot of passes, pass patterns over the middle. Um, he's got good quickness. He, uh, he's, he's able to be elusive. Um, I think he could be a good player here. And I think he's, if you liked Devontae Smith or that sort of, physical makeup for the Patriots to be a slot receiver, then you should be okay with Jacoby Myers because all the kid does is be productive. And I think uh you know I'm a fan of his and I would like to see him get more of a shot.
1: I think the one pushback, Greg, is speed, right? Like I think people wanted yeah. that that speedy kind of weapon. And when you look at this wide receiver core not a ton of speed. I mean, Aguilar is fast. Aguilar can can get down the field. Kendrick Bourne is not necessarily a burner. Obviously, Nikhil is not a burner. Jacoby's not a burner. So I think I think people were more talking about the speed element in the draft, and and because you you really did not address that, it's going to be one of the things that we question. But I agree yep. with you. I think I think Jacoby, every time that guy's been given a chance, he's been productive. And until mm-hmm. he's not productive, and, and think about it this way last year, he was productive with bad quarterback play and really no help at wide receiver. So why can't he get open one on one consistently? And if the quarterback play is better, he should be productive. All right, let's jump to tight end. Tight end number one, the spot one, you have Jonu Smith, Devin Asiasi, and Matt Lacoste.
0: Yeah, I think this whole thing with, with tight end is going to be interesting um, come training camp because, uh, you know, I'm not – Johnny Smith has the reputation for being the better blocker. I'm not really sure that he is at the end of the day, and I don't know with better coaching than Hunter Henry, who fits more of the physical profile uh, of a Y uh, if he can't be a better blocker here, but we'll see. But for now, where they are right now – I think it's John who's clearly the starter. They're paying him a bunch of money. I I think the big X factor in this whole thing is Devin Asiasi. And uh, he would make sense as sort of the number three tight end, but I, I don't see them. And look, they could cut him tomorrow. I don't see them letting go of Matt Lacoste anytime soon for injury issues for that reason, because God forbid Johnny Smith and or Hunter Henry go down and both of them don't have great injury histories, including Henry. And all of a sudden you're back starting Devin Asiasi again. Um, if you don't have Matt Lacoste. So I assume who's a you know a solid professional tight end. He's a great veteran backup type of guy. And so I see him going to camp. Then we'll see. And I think Devin Asiasi, um, oy, oy, oy. you know, <laughs> I think there's a few players in this category, Asiasi Winovich, Maybe Anthony Jennings, maybe even Sony Michelle, who we'll get into in a couple of minutes. I, I think there are guys on this team who it's like it's like last chance corral for these guys with the Patriots. And that Devin Asiasi, who was a guy who came in, looked really good initially in training camp, then just completely disappeared until the end of the season. And um, we talked about it the whole season, what was going on behind the scenes, which is, you know, NFL could be tough for rookies. And if you're not ready for it, if you're not willing to fight back and and stand up for yourself and and assert yourself, you're going to get run over. Yeah. And I think Asi Asi really struggled last year as a pro. Maybe by the end of the season it turned around. Hopefully he that touchdown pass at the end of the year was a trampoline into this year, and all of a sudden we see a confident guy who's ready to go win a job, who's mentally tough, all those things. I got a feeling the Patriots are really going to test him this training camp to see where he's at. And if he cracks again, uh, I think it's over for him. I think they look to dump him. They'll take whatever, 50 cents on the dollar, um, and go with Smith, Henry, Lacoste, maybe Dalton Keene, depending on where he's at. But I think that's the situation there.
1: Yeah, and I'm just, as a general rule, not just with the Patriots, but I think across the league, I'm not ready to write off any second-year player. I think mm-hmm. last year was really funky due to the circumstances. So, you know, maybe Asi Asi didn't have any comfort level and and that made him feel a little bit awkward. And so, you know, I, I'm willing to give those guys the benefit of the doubt because of the circumstances they had to deal with. Uh, tight end too, Hunter Henry. And you also have Dalton Keene. Uh, I've talked about this. I see Keene more as an H-back, which we talked about yeah. when he was first drafted, other than your your traditional tight end. Your thoughts on on that spot?
0: Yeah, it's um, their whole fullback tight end situation. I mean, look, the numbers are going to be out of control, and unless you go skinny at other places, you're going to have to cut some people. And yep. um, I think I think Keen's here. I think, you know, if you look at it, you know, ideally, Osiasi pops and Lacoste has gone, and Keane... Sticks Vitaly is out at fullback. We might as well just group the fullbacks in here while we're at it. Um, so you have at fullback, you have Jakob Johnson. You have yeah, Vitaly, who was an who was an opt out last year. But the idea when they signed him last year with Vitaly was we're bringing the athletic fullback here, right? Like we're yep. getting away from James Devlin, sledgehammer. We want Kyle Uzcheck, yep. that type of thing, to really make you know, to adapt more the Kyle Shanahan offense, really make them tougher to defend. I mean, if you put two tight ends and an athletic fullback out there, holy crap, like there's a lot of possibilities. So that was the idea with Vitaly. They were always going to draft, they wanted to draft the guy. I think they wanted another player, had to settle on Dalton Keene. And he was a, he had a bit of a rough rookie season, not for the same reason as Asi It's more like, you know, Keen just, he was swimming a bit in terms of the information. He was kind of like a big puppy. He was um, banged up a lot too. He he he
1: dealt with like two or three different injuries, right?
0: Yeah, but I think I think they like him there, and I think he I think he he if I had to pick a guy between Ossie and Keen to stick this year, it would be Keen because I think he can he he gives you coverage at fullback and tight end, um, and so I think that he sticks. Hunter Henry. I'll be interested. I want to see the kid stay healthy for a whole season and see what he can do because I do think he has a lot of potential. He's just – with the Chargers, it always seemed like he was hurt. Fun spot to talk about, running back.
1: Damian Harris, you know, I, I stood up on the table for that guy all last year. Give him carries, give him carries. You've got Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, Stevenson, and Bolden.
0: Yeah, I think uh, opening day starter clearly to me is Damian Harris. There's Better no be. doubt. And, and you know, it's funny we hear more. I, I don't know if it was was Michael Lombardi's podcast I was listening to the other day and talked about how – maybe it was Chris Sims. I don't know who it was. But they were talking about how good of a player Damian Harris is and, you know, how much they think of him. And it's like, yeah, all right, you're a little late to the party. Um, but I, I, think, I think the kid's a really good back. Um, you know, where it gets interesting – is you know, everybody thinks, and it's quite possible that Stevenson and Sony Michelle are sort of in competition for the number two spot. Uh, I wonder with Stevenson plays a lot of special teams, I wonder yeah. if he is more Brandon Bolden protection. Yeah. Yep. Um initially than Sony Michelle. Um I just don't know. I, I, I don't I don't see Bill, you know, giving up on one of his first round picks. Look, they didn't pick up the option. So this is his final year. Then he's going to be a free agent. Um you know what are they going to do? What are they they're going to trade him and, and get what for him? I, I don't know. I just see I see Bill sticking it out with Sony. You do need a couple of good running backs. I don't think Stevenson just because um just because they drafted him in what where they draft him? The fourth round? Fourth round, yep just because they drafted him this year doesn't mean like he's going to be something. Look at Damian Harris. He sat for a whole year. We didn't know what he was all of a sudden. Second year, he becomes like a potential starter. You know, James we can White. go on James and on
1: James White, yep. same kind of deal.
0: And Shane I agree Green. with you.
1: Yep, yep. I agree with you with Sony Michelle. I mean, let, let's not forget this. I mean, the last time we saw Sony Michelle on a football field is some of the best Sony Michelle we've seen as a new England Patriot. So I think Belichick certainly remembers that. And like like you said, if you trade Michelle, what are you looking at getting? Like the running back market, it isn't sexy. Like if you look at the free agency market, teams aren't bending over backwards. Green Bay paid Aaron yeah. Jones, you know, a big chunk of money. Other than that, the free agent market was pretty much dead at the position. People know that you can get guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh, undrafted free agents at that position nowadays. If you trade Michelle, what's worth it? Keeping Michelle motivated. Last year on his contract, maybe he yeah. popped for you, or getting a fifth or sixth round pick in the in the in next year's draft. Like I think Michelle is is more likely to stay than people believe. How about the pass catching backs? We got James White and JJ Taylor.
0: Yeah, that, by the way, Nick, that was a a good point that you brought up about you know this being the final year for him and being motivated. I think Belichick definitely takes that in consideration. I think he's a big fan. We've seen him before. Guys, playing guys in the last year of their contract because he knows yeah. they're motivated, and so and, I and think that's. We,
1: the- and we also saw last year. Why, why did Michelle play some of his best football, if not his best football, as a runner for the Patriots when he came back from injury? You could argue it's because Michelle was sitting on the sidelines watching Damian Harris do what he did, and that put kind of a chip on his shoulder, and he ran much harder than we've seen him run before, and and maybe Belichick saw that and said, okay. Maybe Michelle's the kind of guy that every once in a while you got to kind of poke the bear. And Harris poked the bear, and now, hey, he's on his last year of his contract. He's going to prove himself again. Maybe we'll get that same hard-running Sony Michelle for a full season that we saw the last few weeks of 2020. All right, White versus Taylor. I think we all know it's going to be White. I want to ask you, though, how do they feel about Taylor? And the fact that they didn't really necessarily go out there and get a Dimit- uh, Dimitri Felton or somebody who was like that fast, yep. speedy catch guy. Does that mean they feel like JJ Taylor might have a future in this offense?
0: He might, but this is going to be a spot where you know it comes down to numbers again. And I think I think what's interesting to me about this position is look, James White was out there for a long time as a free agent. Um, you know, talked to other teams. Um, and look, you know, we all know he went through a lot of a, a very difficult situation last year. And we all feel for, for James white and what he went through. But as you saw this offseason, you know, the NFL is a business. It keeps rolling. It doesn't right. really care what your circumstances were. And James white's film last year was not very good, especially yeah. in pass protection. It was not very good. I think it affected his market this year. And um, it, it made him basically come back here almost for the minimum. And so I think James White has something to prove, talking about a contract year and trying to cash in one last time and things like that. He's got something to prove. I am interested to see what J.J. Taylor looks like on the field. Does he take like a Gunnar Olszewski big step forward in year two? Is there a real competition at the position? I don't rule that out considering the contract that James White signed, even with how everyone feels about James White there. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because they are going to have some tough uh, calls when it comes to the 53-man roster. And so I think this is – I think this used to be an afterthought. I think this is now a pretty competitive position, depending on how Taylor looks.
1: All right, let's group the O-line together, left to right. Isaiah Wynn. Owenu, Andrews, Mason, and Brown, uh, and, and you look at the backups there. You've got you know Corey Cunningham, Justin Haran on the left side uh, for tackles, and then you've got William Sherman inside left guard behind Owenu, and then you've got Karris uh, as as the backup center, Marcus Martin backup right guard, Yadni Kajust as the backup right tackle. Just overall as a group, Greg, if you can tell us your top two or three questions. About an offensive line that, you know, on paper, if healthy, everything goes well, this is going to be one of the best offensive lines in football. But what are your questions about them?
0: Uh, well, I think Trent Brown's my number one question. You know, where is he at? Where is he physically? Does he stay healthy? You know, he was completely unreliable for the Raiders. And you could say, well, it was the Raiders and he'll be motivated now. Well, Dante's not here anymore. Um, so we'll see. Yes, Trent Brown's in another contract year. I don't think anybody um, outside of the Patriots is going to pay him ever again after what he did to the the Raiders and the 49ers, quite frankly, um, before that, and so I think he's my biggest question mark. Now, you know, I to me, it's pretty clear-cut that it's going to be when Owenu, Andrews, Mason Brown in that order I mean yes Trent Brown was a left tackle the last time he was here he played almost all right tackle with the Raiders you know you just gave Isaiah Wynn 10 and a half million dollars for next right. season yep <laughs> that's not guard money that's no. tackle money so I think you got to start with win there I to me that's the group it's always been that group I think it continues the a third round pick. Will he ever do anything? Will he ever be on the field? Uh, I mean, he's I think so there, he said, could you like, I was thinking about this the other day, like Kaiser. Soze.
1: <laughs> Kaiser Soze. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to, he's going to go walking out and his limp's going to get to a regular mm-hmm. walk as he walks away from the facility. Yeah. Like, but his role is pretty big because listen, Haran, I think is, is going to be fine as like a, a backup tackle and maybe Cunningham's fine as like a swing tackle, but but if you tell me that Kajust is actually something, again, as you said, third-round pick, if he's something, now I have a lot more relief at the tackle spot because, again, yeah. healthy, motivated, all that good stuff on paper, this O-line's ridiculously good. But is Isaiah Wynn going to stay healthy? Is Brown going to be motivated? Right. Is he going to be focused? Is he going to be in shape all season long? If you've got Haran Kajust, and Cunningham – to back those two guys up, I feel much more confident. If Kajust ends up being a nothing, then I do think tackle depth is is an issue.
0: Yeah, I think they might have to address that at some point. I mean, look, Corey Cunningham hasn't proven anything since he's been here. He kept getting passed over last last year by rookies and things like that. So I think he's likely gone at some point. I think they're probably going to have to go out and get some sort of veteran option at some point uh just to give them a little bit of safety at both tackle spots. I mean, I think I think Huron uh depending on how much he hit the weight room this off season, um is could be a borderline starter in a lot of places. Um so I I think a lot of the kid, but he had to get a lot health, uh, a lot stronger this off season. So I but I do think you're right. I mean, could juice I mean, look, best case scenario, let's say he is healthy this year. When was the last time he played a football game? <laughs> like how I don't even know. Like I yeah. wasn't he hurt in West Virginia too? Uh, like uh, I I don't know. But so it's been a while. I don't think anybody, even if he's, even if he's gangbusters in training camp, I don't think anybody's going to trust him. Yeah, to be able to do anything. He's more of like he's back at like even if he hits, he's still like a rookie basically. And so I don't know how much they trust him. So I think. Yes, I think at some point they they go out and get a veteran type, you know, maybe another Dan Skipper. You know, he's a journeyman. Love Dan Skipper, uh, who's still in the league, but mind you. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think you're right. And but interior wise, I think you know, Karis is sort of the swing guy. Sherman will be on the roster because they drafted him, unless he's some sort of um, disaster. I think those are the two interior guys. And I think that's about it, because I think you're gonna need I think you're gonna need to take let's just say Cajust is somewhat salvageable this year. You bring in another guy, I think they're gonna have to keep all three, two interior guys, all of a sudden you're you know full full room. So you're looking for a tackle who could play guard as well. So it's it's gonna be a tough pull. There's
1: an interesting report the other day I saw when Alejandro Alejandro Villanueva oh, yeah. uh, signed. With the Ravens, there was a report out there that said that he had talked with the Patriots, and and that was pretty interesting to me. Uh, you know, maybe I'm right or maybe I'm wrong here, but if you look mm-hmm. at the Trent Brown thing, maybe it was Villanueva versus Trent Brown, uh, and and if the Patriots picked Trent Brown and and trading an asset for Trent Brown uh, over Villanueva, that's going to be interesting to see play out. If Villanueva plays well for Baltimore and Brown kind of stinks it out. Uh, then that might be one regret that Belichick has, not chasing down the Villanueva thing a little bit more than he did. Uh, before we get to the member question of the day, I did want to ask you about the biggest story in the NFL right now because you have a history and uh, w- with this team, and you have a history with the quarterback. You, you know them fairly well. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. We don't talk about big-picture NFL stuff very often on this podcast, but I feel like we'd be remiss if we did not mention the story. A lot of stuff flying out there. Uh, I talked to Rob Domofsky of ESPN on my show just a couple of days ago, and Rob Mm -hmm. said he's a plugged-in guy, and Rob said, look, I don't think there's any chance he's back. I I don't think he plays another down for the Green Bay Packers. Just your general thoughts on what's going on out there and and what you think might end up happening.
0: Uh, My general thought is I am not surprised this happened. I'm surprised it maybe took this long because i wrote a column after – the Packers playoff loss where, you know, LaFleur blew the fourth down call yep. and along with a whole other thing, you know, like the, just, you know, personnel letdowns, whether it's in the secondary or what have you um, the, the debacle at the end of halftime in that game against uh. the box. I mean, it was just, the whole thing was a uh. crap show. And it was just, I came away thinking and, and I, you know, basically wrote that this, des- suggested this was going to happen that at some point Aaron was going to go away. He was going to get with his buddies. He was going to hear all this stuff about how like, you're never going to get another title there. Look how old you are. They failed you. He's going to look at it and he's going to say it's more their failings than it is mine. I need to go someplace where I can win another title or two before I hang it up to cement my legacy. And that's the way it's played out. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the, Kumaro stuff and the, the Guttekin stuff. I mean, I think that's all window dressing. Um, I think that's, I think that's Aaron sort of, you know, scapegoating Guttekin's a a little bit, you know, they're going to need somebody to blame. Um, It's just, Nick, the funniest thing to me is, and I was there for the beginning of this. I was there for Favre's final season in green Bay, all that stuff. And I could tell you Aaron Rodgers set out when he became Packers starting quarterback. He wanted to be the anti-Brett Favre in and, and so many different ways. And, it's, you know, the number one thing was he didn't want to throw any interceptions. So he never threw any interceptions, including sometimes he didn't even try to really fit the ball into spots early on in his career because he wanted to avoid being Brett Favre and being that sort of roller coaster. And he just – he wanted to be the anti-Brett. He want, you know, he hung out with all the guys. He would invite people over. They'd do things together where Favre was very detached from the locker room at the end. And, you know, now here we are. He, Bart Starr played for the Packers for 16 years. Brett yep. Favre for 16 years. Aaron yep. Rodgers just finished his 16th season. Yep. And now he is following, Aaron, he's following Brett Favre's playbook to try to get out of green Bay or at least get what he wants. Like, it's just, to me, that's the most ironic thing that I just remember this kid, this 24 year old kid who want to be the anti Brett Favre in every single way, um, including how he treated people and, and, and things like that. And now come full circle, you know, 12, 13 years later, he has now become everything he didn't want to become.
1: Yeah, and the story that they didn't call him before the Jordan Love pick is inexcusable. Like, I do think Rodgers has some beef with some of the things they've done. You know, nine out of the last 10 first rounds, they've drafted defensive players, and it's not like their defense has ever been really good, which is just crazy. And then you look at not calling him. Minnesota called Kirk Cousins when they were drafting a quarterback this year. Shanahan, John Lynch called Garoppolo to let Mm -hmm. him know that they were drafting a quarterback at three. Belichick called Brady when he was drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the way the league works. And the fact that nobody could pick up the phone and call a guy who has been there at that point, 14, 15 years, and, you know, had won a Super Bowl and is seen as one of the best quarterbacks. It's just amazing to me that that Packers front office and Mark Murphy up top can drop the ball at that kind of level. I just, I think that's, that's crazy. That's just crazy to me. And one more thing, Rodgers is very stubborn. Uh, you know, when I was talking to Domofsky, Domofsky had, uh, had a great line. He said that Rodgers is an all-pro when it comes to grudge holders.
0: Oh, yeah. Hell, he, yeah. So he, he remembers he, stuff I wrote about him <laughs> so, when I you know, see him.
1: He's one of the, like, he's cut out his own family. Like, legitimately has cut out his own immediate family and does not talk to them. When, when Aaron Rodgers says you're dead to him, usually you are dead to him. So if he's at that point with the Packers, yes, I do actually believe he is the kind of guy that would say, I'm going to sit on my ass. That's it. I'm not going to play for you. I'm I'm done with you. So interesting stuff because, of course, that could eventually affect the Patriots, especially if he's moved to the AFC because there's a lot of talk about the Broncos. Uh, BostonSportsJournal.com, member question of the day. $39.99 on the annual plan, top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports and with a membership you get access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, Dr. Doug, 49. Great analysis. There you go. A little bit of love to begin it. Great analysis, Greg. It seems Cam never worked on his craft, just content to get by on his superb natural ability. How much time did Cam spend in the film room? Could he diagnose defenses when he was in Carolina? Inquiring minds want to know.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, this is an interesting question and I was just looking for the story, but I can't find it readily, uh, cause I wanted to read from it. But for those who want to know more, a little bit more about how Cam Newton ticks, I suggest you Google Albert Breer, Cam Newton, Scott Turner. And I think that'll do it. You should be able to pop someplace, but I remember, Albert Breer wrote um, a really good story. And I remember when they signed him last year, uh, I referenced this story and um, you know, there's a lot of questions about, you know, cause I did this column about cam and, and how he sees the offense and how he's going to get to do it. Um, look, I'll say this about cam. Um, there has been, is certainly in new England. And this goes to at least the time with the turners in Carolina. No one has ever questioned Cam's work ethic and the time that he puts in as far as film, playbook, stuff like that. Now, the biggest question about Cam and his fit for this offense and whether, you know, can he hold off Mac Jones is uh, just sort of, you know, Cam, the, 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 the takeaway that I had from Albert's story about Cam was that Cam Newton just learns in a different way. So what I remember about the story is that Cam would have this big notebook and he would like, you know, tape things into it and plays and have to write things and he just put it dump He just learns differently. He learns more visually than he does conceptually. and, and, that also goes to um, to the practice field. They learned that Cam – and this is where he was hurt last year with the Patriots, and I will – this could be a factor in if he is a lot better this year, it's because of this. He, he the, the Panthers would walk things through a lot more with Cam in terms of What the defense is going to do, what do you do here, there, what have you. Right. So the Panthers combined all those things and they were able to make Cam a lot better quarterback in 2018 until he got hurt. And so, but my question is can a quarterback that learns that way, that learns, you know, visually, Is it fast enough? Is it very compatible with the Patriots' offense? My initial inclination is to say no. And look, that's not to say Tom Brady was the greatest anticipatory quarterback ever. He wasn't. He was really kind of – yes, he knew what the defense was going to do, and he knew things like that, but he was more of a see-it-throw-it quarterback than he was an anticipatory thrower, more than people want to give him credit for. And Cam is a see-it-throw-it quarterback. Mac Jones is an anticipatory thrower, and I think those are the best guys in this offense. It's just, can the way Cam visualizes things, the way he learns, and everybody learns differently. You learn differently. I learn differently. It doesn't mean you, you learn in a poor way or that you're not intelligent or anything. You just learn right. differently. Yep. Um, you know, can that type of quarterback who learns visually, is it fast enough to, for this offense, for it to go where it needs to go? I don't have the answer to that. I think we're going to get the answer to that, this training camp this season, but you know, the initial returns were, it's not a good fit in terms of what the Patriots need. But again, like you said earlier, last year was a rough year and probably rougher for cam changing places, COVID, all that stuff. Um, Crappy team around him, all that stuff. Uh, It was probably rougher for on him than a lot of people. So, We'll just have to see. I think everybody sort of has a fresh start, but I do think that Mac Jones coming from where he does in Alabama, what he's already done, that he's changing protections and he's changing routes on the fly with Alabama, that's way ahead of what Cam Newton has ever done in any other offense, let alone the Patriots. And so for that reason, I think that Mac Jones is going to catch up uh, quickly to Cam Newton at some point, but we'll have to see.
1: It's a fascinating story. It's one that's obviously going to play out all summer long. And when you talk about the big notebooks, I think of Manny Ramirez and JD Martinez, right? Like those guys, those big notebooks in the, in the dugout and they write down everything. And, you know, like you said, some people learn a certain way. Others learn a different way. It's just, it's how your brain functions. It's, It's like a system. Everybody has their own system. And so that's Cam's system. Well, that'll do it podcast number 69 rob gronkowski's favorite (laughs) Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it a lot of information in this one Uh, everybody have a great weekend we'll be back early next week uh, to possibly i would think greg and i haven't talked about it but i would think we'd be talking about the defense and how all those things come together Defense? defense defense until then be good